Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Greetings to those who watch below. Urban exploring is still a popular pastime, with many many YouTube channels dedicated to the subject. However, some truly creepy things can happen when you enter these abandoned spaces that may not be as abandoned as you think. The man who watched me for two hours in an abandoned building, by Skylin2. I'm a young girl in my late teens, and grew up in a pretty small city, which gets even smaller when the Queen's students leave for the summer. Ontario is home to Queen's University, which means that I'm not typically alone at night when I go on my late night endeavours. However, once those students are gone for the summer, I tend to find myself in riskier situations, with rougher looking people. It's almost as if when the students leave, the crazies come back. I am a huge advocate of exploration, and I explore every single chance I get. This hobby of mine has got me into trouble more than a few times, and I'm honestly lucky to still remain unscathed by any insane person to this day. There are quite a few abandoned buildings in my city, which nearly anyone who is interested in horror and adventure would love to find their way inside of. I have an eye for detail and I'm only around 5'1 and 116 pounds, so that makes me the perfect candidate to escape into the small crevices and holes of abandoned buildings. Not too long ago, I had found a building I was scoping out for a while. I found my way in with little effort, and understood the dangers of going alone. I'm a risk taker, but I'm not stupid, so of course I had someone with me. Now let's just say I wasn't expecting this person to be as flaky and easily as frightened as they were, so most of the rooms I entered, I had to enter on my own. Equipped with a flashlight and bag in case I found anything super interesting, I explored the dark corners of this building that I didn't expect to be so huge. I found a journal with writing in it that looked to be a foreign language, and even with my knowledge of different languages, I couldn't decipher what this person was going on about. I also saw multiple mathematical formula, but with the type of math I had never seen before, surrounded by odd symbols and drawings. There was also a ton of zodiac signs and talking of the planets and their rotation, which was enough to put me off, in itself due to the fact that my own zodiac sign was heavily underlined and rewritten multiple times. Of course, I didn't piece anything together here. Anyone would be in the building with me, but I started to feel even more on edge as the night crawled on. I made it a promise to myself to check every room, because I didn't crawl into a dark hole for nothing. My friend had opted to stay near the entrance, and I obliged simply because arguing would lead to noise, and noise led to alerting others of my presence. 
I continued looking amongst this dark, eerie building, which contained this thick air that I almost felt I had to sift through, as if it were thick, invisible fog. I had already seen a bed, clothing, books, stickers, anything you could think of, but abandoned buildings commonly house these items, as I'm not unfamiliar with squatters staying places for a few days then moving on. However, in all my years of exploration, I have never encountered someone who stayed in a building or approached me in a building that I entered. I started to get deeper into the building. I went down the stairs and walked down a dark, wet hallway. I felt like I had been here for hours, that there couldn't be anything else I hadn't already explored. As I got further away, not only from my friend, but the exit as well, my basic senses seemed to heighten. I think it may have been due to this, that I started to smell a putrid odour, near me, one I hadn't noticed upon initially entering. I was stuck in a hallway, with little place to go, so I entered another room, hoping to escape the smell. However, the smell started to turn into footsteps. I realised the room I was now standing in was barricaded in some way, with mattresses against the walls piled on top of each other, needles round my feet, and children's toys scattered carelessly. No red flags go off in my head when I'm in an abandoned building, until I stumble upon children's clothing or toys. That's where I always draw the line. I turned around and told myself it was time to leave, but I didn't feel like it was just me that was going to be leaving. I started walking back the way I came, finding my way through the mess and clutter, the disgusting odours and tapping of feet and plunking with water. I hated it there. I hated the buildings I explored that only had one exit. I knew if I made one wrong move, it could lead to something awful, so I didn't turn around. At this point, either due to adrenaline or my senses heightening, which I believed to have been connected to my adrenaline kicking in, I could literally feel someone behind me. I heard, smelled, and felt the presence of someone walking no more than six feet behind me. At this point, I picked up my pace, but in a way that wouldn't be too obvious, and when I reached the exit, I cannot explain the euphoria I felt. It was such a relief to see my friend and tell her to get the hell out of here. As soon as I started making my way to the hole to exit, I felt a strong grip on my right leg, and my heart literally stopped. Whoever was in this building had clearly been following me and watching me the entire time, but didn't bother touching me until the second I tried to leave. I didn't even look back. I just started kicking my leg and screaming. At this point, I didn't care about people hearing me. My friend quickly caught on and started screaming too, then reached for both of my hands. Whoever had been gripping my leg had gripped so hard when I finally broke loose there were red indents in my calf. We went home and literally did not speak another word about it. Actually, I tried to change the subject in my shivery voice, because I was so scared whoever this person was would have been following us home as well. We weren't followed anymore, and my friend proposed that it may have been someone else exploring, or a teenager up to no good that wanted to scare me by following me and grabbing me so I would assume I was in danger. Personally, I don't believe that. No normal person smells that horrible, 
or has that much time to follow around a girl through an abandoned building that to my initial inspection had been abandoned for nearly three years. I assumed it was safe since there was no sign of anyone for so long. The next morning there were purple bruises on my leg. I didn't go to the police because it's not a great impression to be entering abandoned buildings in the first place. I don't really know what to make of this experience, but I'm so happy I'm alive, and that whoever that was didn't grab me sooner. Always, always, always bring someone with you when you explore buildings. If it wasn't for my friend grabbing me, I don't know if I would have been able to kick my way out of there. Abandoned House Creepy Encounter by Siren of Aurora For the last few years, I've been really into urban exploring and photographing old homes, farms, factories, and cars left behind to rot and be reclaimed by nature. I know this is a dangerous and controversial hobby, and I never explore alone or break and enter. I just love capturing images of memories left behind. One of the abandoned houses we went to this summer was off a long stretch of highway, with nothing around except some farms spread out far from each other. I'd spotted this house numerous times from the road. I knew from experience with other properties that it showed no signs of being inhabited. Imagine a beautiful old home with some boarded up windows and others left as gaping holes, graffiti on the outside, memories scattered on the lawn, and no one in sight for the entire drive off the highway and down winding roads to get there. We pass a handful of farms and homes so far back from the road that they look like dollhouses. The house we're going to explore sits right next to a bridge, down an embankment and on the edge of a river. I'm with a good friend of mine that I always go on these exploring adventures with named Chris and his girlfriend Sarah, who I've met a few times before. We park at the end of the long driveway and walk up nearly a kilometre to the house. The driveway leads us to the back of the house, so we walk around to the front door and there is lots of debris surrounding the house. Old records, letters, prescriptions, paperworks, greeting cards and art. It seems like all the insides of the house are outside. Not terribly unusual, because some of the windows are missing. I stop and read some of the cards, and take pictures of the old records left in the lawn. We go round to the side of the house and approach the front, and there's a large, freshly patted down rectangle of dirt, it was nearly the size of a deep freezer, big enough to fit a body. I'm not sure why this was my first thought. Too many horror movies, maybe. We stand around apprehensively, trying to reason this out. The house has been abandoned for at least seven years, going by dates on correspondence we found. The dirt had been freshly dug since winter. Unable to come up with a reasonable explanation, we make the choice to still go inside. Although we're on edge, and I can feel my heart beating faster. I approach the door, twist the handle, and open it. What is the first thing we see in the doorway? A small machete on the floor, next to an illustrated book of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. I know what it is before even reading the title, because I had a copy of that same little yellow book when I was younger. My heart races and I'm breathing shallowly, but trying to be brave. So I go into the house first. 
Chris and Sarah follow closely behind. It's darker because of the boarded up windows on this side of the house, and the little streams of sunlight peeking through the board blind me when they catch my eyes. But they light the way for us and cast a glow on the debris of the hallway, an old fridge and a deep freezer lying on their side. I feel compelled to look inside them. Paranoia tells me there's a body inside, but there's nothing. In the last part of the hallway leading to the rest of the house is a heavy and rusting metal shovel resting against the wall. The living room is darker still, and empty, save for a bit of illegible graffiti and an old rusted out walker. Of all things, it was that lone rusty walker that really gives me the creeps. In the dining room, there are knives scattered all over the floor in the debris. So, so many knives. When we look in the kitchen, none of the other utensils have been taken out of the drawer. Just the knives. I peek in the bathroom and marvel at the old bottles and containers of Noxima. We make our way upstairs, and we're taking pictures of random things we've found in the rooms and commenting on different objects, like the watch that no longer ran and was hung up by a nail, or the pair of hockey skates sitting on a chair. When we come into the last room, the bedroom, there are knives stuck all into one wall. We're a little perturbed by this, but chalk the knives to rowdy teens. We're standing near the stairs to go down to the first floor and head home, when we hear an angry, raspy man's voice growl, Hello? My blood runs cold. The grave outside and the knives have set a very eerie horror movie type feel to this house, and we stand still in silence as the air starts to feel thick. I kick myself for not listening to the signs that were telling me not to go inside. Who's in there? Again, the angry raspy voice yells into the house. We're starting to panic and look at each other for reassurance while asking each other quietly, who do you think it is? A drifter? A killer? A nearby farmer who saw our car at the end of the driveway? We weigh out our options in whispers, and I say, let's just get out the house, and we can be honest and tell them we were just taking photos of the old house. It's probably a neighbour or someone who saw our car, and worse comes to worse, we run. Again, the voice. Hello? Who's there? Hello? I'm coming in. The voice is angry, and you can almost hear it shaking with rage. We clamber down the stairs as quickly as we can, jumping down multiples at once. Chris leads the way, with me and Sarah running behind him. There's an unboarded window in the dining room with the knives on the floor towards the back of the house. Chris vaults through the window. I follow without hesitation, and Sarah does too. The yelling was thankfully coming from the front of the house where the door was, meaning they would take longer to get to us because they would have to run around the house to follow us. We ran the entire length of the driveway back to the car without looking behind us, jumped in and locked the doors and started the car. The reason it was so unsettling was because it would have been such a far distance for anyone to have walked from the homes we had passed. There was no vehicle parked near the house and as we look back while driving away, no one came out, leaving us to wonder, who was it?
Urban Exploring in a Horror Movie by Petra Vin Graal. Back in college, my friends and I got into the habit of exploring abandoned places. We've seen some incredible places and have gotten some pretty cool souvenirs. I don't really condone taking stuff from some buildings, but if it's about to be torn down and contractors are taking out everything they deem to be worth something, then I'll gladly take that depression glass they left behind. But I digress. It's a small group of friends that goes exploring with me, and I love introducing new people to it. A friend of mine had asked me on several occasions if I could take him somewhere, because he never went exploring before. I decided to take him to an old paper factory that didn't have much inside, but did have an absolutely beautiful view of the city from the roof. Also, it was incredibly easy to get in and out of, we went with a few other people, but two of my friends had decided to wait outside for us, since they had been in the building a few too many times to find it interesting anymore. As we went to climb inside, a drunk couple came out. Not unusual, a lot of people used the building to smoke, drink or paint in, and we asked if there were many people inside. They said they thought it was mostly empty, but they heard someone banging around a few floors up that startled them. They said he sounded angry, and maybe we should avoid the roof. Since we weren't there to drink or anything, the roof was our only goal. We decided to take our chances and head up. After all, it is a massive building, and we didn't think we would run into the guy. We walked up ten flights of stairs, and then climbed the ladder to the roof. My friend's impressed, and the view is awesome. As we were about to head back down, my friend waiting on the street calls us. He says that a man has passed out in the street, and the two of them pulled him out of the way of traffic and called an ambulance for him. They suggest we waste out on the roof to avoid exiting the building while the cops are there. Neither of us can afford the $5,000 fine or two-week jail time just for looking at the city from an abandoned building. We wait, but we probably shouldn't have waited on the roof. We get the all clear for my friend to come back down and head to the ladder. My friend goes first, and then our flashlight dies. The ladder is tricky to get onto when you can't see it, and it's missing some rungs. I come down very slowly in the dark, afraid of hurting myself. I hop down, and my friend tells me very quietly that he hears someone in the room next to us. I shrug it off. We already know people are in the building. Then, the screaming starts. At first, it almost sounds like one of my friends who waited outside yelling my name. I hesitate at the top of the stairs, just outside the door of the room the screaming is coming from, trying to decide if it is him, and he's playing some sort of prank. The guy I came into the building with grabs my wrists, and we start running down the stairs. At this point, it's obvious it's not my friend, and it's just guttural, intense screaming. We start running down the stairs, and then hear really loud banging to go with the screaming. It sounds like this guy is a very heavy object that he is swinging at the walls and exposed pipes with. There's only one flight of stairs, because every other way down is out of order freight elevators, so we are trapped in this stairwell, and it's still ten flights till we reach the ground floor, and have to book it to the opposite side of this factory, and back out the hole we climbed through. Besides screaming and swinging that heavy object, we hear him barreling down the stairs behind us. 
but he is at least one floor behind. Whatever he is using to hit the walls and pipes with is clearly enough to do some damage to our skulls, because a bit of brick chipped off the wall follows us down the steps. That's when my friend grabs my wrist again and throws me through the nearest door. We've only made it down three floors, and the beginning of each flight of stairs, there's one door that opens onto the entire level. In other words, it is painfully obvious where we have gone. After flying into this room, we notice that it has been gutted like every other floor, but more of the windows are boarded up, and it's very dark. All that's in the room to hide behind are some pillars. We get behind one, and huddle together. This guy stops outside the doorway to the room we're in, and he's still screaming. It's terrifying. Then, he starts swinging his weapon around and slamming it into the door frame. We're sure he is going to come in, and the only way out is the door he is currently standing in. Neither of us ever look around the pillar to see the guy, and we have no idea what his weapon is. Nearly four minutes pass, and he hasn't stopped screaming. For whatever reason, he doesn't come into the room we are in, but starts running down the stairs. We can hear him hitting pipes and smacking walls, and we just wait. We have seven floors to go down, and could pass him in any doorway on the way down. Eventually, the screaming and banging stops, but we still think we should wait. That's when we hear something from a different corner of our room. There's just enough light from a window in the back that hasn't been boarded up, and we see a figure get up off the floor. This person has been in the room with us the entire seven or eight minutes we've been in here, and they haven't let on until now. This person, who is in front of the only light source, so we just see a totally black figure, is now shuffling towards us without making a sound. It is exactly like a zombie movie, and we run. We don't bother to find out what this person's deal is, and temporarily forget about the first clearly dangerous guy. For an asthmatic, I hold ass down the stairs, and never pause to catch my breath even once. As we're reaching the bottom of the stairwell, the screaming starts again. It's coming from the room next to us, but we don't stop running. The hole in the wall that we climbed through to get into the building is yards away, and this man comes crashing out of the room behind us. We never look back, and climb through the hole so fast I don't even remember doing it. Our two friends are waiting for us, and we throw ourselves into the car. They ask what happened, because apparently that man was so loud that they could hear him screaming and breaking things from outside the building. They thought we were making all that noise, and were going to give it a few minutes before calling us to remind us that the police were still patrolling the area for drunk, underage college students, and we should probably shut the fuck up. We tell them what happened, and then decide to carry on with our plans for that night, because a beer was totally necessary after that. Hi guys, thank you so, so much for watching today's video. If you enjoyed it, remember to like, share, comment, and subscribe. Also hit the notification bell, that way you will know when the next video goes live. Also, if you didn't know already, um, a lot of my videos are being featured on the official creepypasta.com YouTube channel. So make sure you go over there, check them out, as long with the other videos they have from some fantastic narrators. Also, if you do, make sure you tell them Brimstone says hi. 
Finally, I would love to give a massive shout out and thank you to those who dwell below, Lefty Kim and Ghost City Shelton. You guys are amazing. I cannot say that enough and you always will be. So thank you ever so much. So, until next time, sleep tight. <laughs>